was a waitress for many years. It seemed like many years through college and seminary. I worked first in a coffee shop and then in a famous brunch place here in town, a pizza joint, a Malaysian restaurant. And if I may toot my horn for a moment, I was a darn good waitress. And while I didn't always love the work, I usually liked it. It wasn't a bad gig. I'm of the opinion that everyone should work in a restaurant, or at least in the low-level hospitality or service industry, at least once. It is humbling. It will knock you down a peg or two. And most everyone I know who has ever waited tables becomes, by mere fact of understanding the other person's plight, a more sympathetic customer and a great tipper. People are often at their worst when they're hungry and when they're paying for food and for service. There's entitlement greater than this. It's rough. People who serve can generally get really good at faking a positive attitude. The livelihood of the waiter depends on it, after all. On a good night, each new table is a chance at another great tip. On a bad night, they're just trying the best they can not to drop a plate of lobster on someone's head. A stream of new faces, new peculiarities, new complaints, and occasionally even new appreciative smiles is what makes restaurant work exciting and challenging and, like I said, humbling. At one of the restaurants where I worked, in an attempt to get better service ratings in the Zagat Guide, the manager hired a company that sent spotters. You may know about spotters. Spotters are restaurant reviewers who come incognito. And instead of writing for the local paper, they report back every last detail to the owners. The mere mention of spotters can strike fear in the hearts of a conscientious waitstaff. A spotter's negative report could cost a waiter her job. It's a smart system, of course, because all a manager has to do is just mention that they might have called the spotting company and they might be coming in the next week or so, and the mere suggestion can straighten out a lax staff. Every table might have one of these spies lurking at it. It can be terrifying. I'm embarrassed to admit that this is what comes to mind every time I hear that I might be entertaining angels without knowing it. <laughs> Truth be told, I'm a little terrified at what the letter to Hebrews says to us this morning. It's one of those little tidbits in the Bible that makes me think, really, God? Some of us are doing our best to get our shoes on the right feet in the morning. Do we really need the pressure of incognito angels among us? It's a little scary, isn't it? As if these messengers of God will be reporting back to the big guy. And while I like the idea I really do of everyone on their best behavior, just in case, I'm not really sure I'd want to entertain angels. That's a lot of pressure. What would I talk about? What would I serve? What would I wear? What if, what if the one day I leave the house without brushing my teeth, the angels show up? 
Or what if my kid has a nuclear meltdown while I'm trying to hold a casual conversation with an angel? The idea of entertaining angels is just anxiety-producing. No, thank you, God. Keep your angels where we can see them. <laughs> like so many things in Scripture, though, when I take a deep breath, when I settle down and I put my own fears on the shelf and think about what this letter to Hebrews is really offering, I know that this is not just about terrifying us mere mortals. It's not about reporting back to the boss. These angels that we may or may not be entertaining are not God's spies sent down to evaluate whether we're reciting the daily specials properly or whether or not we have put out clean wine glasses. Remember, we prayed in the collect for purity, God to whom all hearts are open, all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hid. God knows our secrets. God doesn't need spies. God knows us inside and out because God already came down as Christ. God knows how we think and how we operate. God doesn't need to get to know us. God is waiting, sending angels to give us the opportunity to get to know God. This is about getting to know God. This is about relationship and how we treat one another. Abraham, you may remember, knew this when the incognito angels showed up on his doorstep. His instinct was to care for them. To offer food and shelter, and in doing so, he changed not only the course of his life, but the course of history. Remember, friends, the way we get to know God is through right relationship with one another. When we are showing hospitality to strangers, it's not because we hope that we will get good marks or that we're getting spied upon, or that we're being tricked by God to find out whether or not we're following the rules. Instead, when we treat every one of our brothers and sisters here on earth as if they could, just maybe, just might be an angel, we're strengthening our relationships with one another. We are practicing seeing the face of Christ in every face, and Christ is there in every face, angel or no, whether we see it or not. If we're doing this out of some sort of fear of reprisal, out of desire to save our own skin, I think we're likely missing the point. If we are instead offering hospitality to strangers in order that we might tap into the potentiality of another person, or to learn and to grow, to connect then we're on the right track. And what is hospitality? In this case, I think it's anything that recognizes the humanity in another human being. I am not of the opinion that hospitality needs to be painful or extreme, a cup of water maybe, or an unexpected smile. Actually speaking to someone that you don't know yet, holding the door, or maybe I'll amend my own definition and say that hospitality is that which recognizes the angel in every human being. The potential for every person, every person, to be among the heavenly host. 
This is not easy work. It doesn't have to hurt, but it will stretch us sometimes beyond what we expect of ourselves. The gospel rarely calls us into easy work. Putting yourself out there to a stranger who may not look or think or act or smell like you is uncomfortable and it's risky. It's easier to be prudent. You might get fleeced. The stranger might be a liar or a cheat. You might lose your wallet. Or you might lose your heart. The stranger might be an angel. You might see heaven and earth break open before you. You might accidentally help usher in the kingdom of God through a small but uncalled-for act of hospitality. Be aware. You just might. 